0: eighteen. You people have been chosen to reveal our existence to the world. You will witness what happens here today, and you will tell of it later.
1: Where do you want to start? Well, that's a
0: good, good question. Well, we got the whole world in front of us. Um, you know, we were just talking about... How there's this banking situation that's going down? Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, Silvergate. So that's kind of, you know, it, it's it started with FTX blowing up, and Silvergate was like the main bank for for FTX and a lot of other people. Um, they were like the main gateway for all these uh, exchanges, and they they also did like some weird stuff with uh, USDC Circle stuff, like the stablecoin. So they were were the main back-end in terms of fiat dollars for settlement of a lot of this bullshit. So they're getting screwed over because they were, I don't know, a big FTX provider. And uh, they've they've also lost confidence um, of all their customers. So they're kind of screwed. Yeah, what I read
0: is that they were just kind of closing down and fulfilling all the regulatory requirements and customer deposits but they they were just dumb.
1: Yeah, they they don't even have enough deposits to satisfy their customer demands cuz they took really? they took out a loan from the homeowner uh, what is it? that it's some kind of regulatory body where you can go to like FDIC insurance but it's for home homes. Um, so they took out a 4 billion dollar loan from the fdic version for homes and they (laughs) they're still going bankrupt
0: really so hold on a second is it that they can't cover customer deposits with these loans or and the loan providers are screwed or they can provide customer withdrawals with these
1: loans that is the big question we don't know we don't know yet
0: See, I've only read one release as it relates to this situation. It was their release, and they're like, yeah, everything's fine, we're just closing shop. I mean, it's great that they're closing shop. I think that these shitcoin institutional service providers, because that's what it fucking is at the end of the day, they need to go the way of the dodo. Looking at you, Prime Trust, I hope you're next on the block. But uh, especially these VC funding dicks, like they're just sponsoring all the scams in this space.
1: Yeah, there's a ton of them. There's also Signature Bank. That's a big one. Uh, and they seem to be the, the main beneficiaries from this, because they're basically snapping up all or taking up all the customers that are leaving Silvergate. So there's kind of like a consolidation. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's more well, here's bullshit. <laughs>
0: here's to hoping that they all collapse miserably and take as little lateral damage with them as possible. And, like, I don't know, how do you feel about the victims of stuff like this? There's a point, and I guess it was Mount Gox, where I had a lot of sympathy for people that were using custodial services and, like, intermingling their Bitcoin interests with traditional financial interests and things. But that kind of died for me a long time ago. Now it's I'm just... If you're dumb enough to use these services, you kind of get what you got coming to you as far as I'm concerned. How do you feel
1: about this? There are no victims in this situation. Everyone who is getting burnt is getting what they deserve. Ouch. That's hard truths.
0: Hard truths to hear. Yeah. Well, if you're one of these people, like, what do you do now? Do you, you know, lick your wounds, take your losses, and be like, okay, learned my lesson, not going to do that again? Is that the right course for people like including businesses like i hope businesses are learning lessons from us
1: like they should but a lot of these people do not get the ethos of what is actually happening here and so they're just going to get burnt again or they're they're told they wiped out and they they have to do something else you know so like i don't know who like there are no bitcoiners in this situation who are getting burnt by this <laughs> like so i i really don't believe that <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I guess you're right. This is really just, you know, traditional finance folks and shitcoiners and businesses. But, like, see, this is the thing. is It seems to me that when businesses make all these risky decisions and they fail, they end up just putting all the risk on their users. All their shitcoin risks, all their custodial risks, just all everything is on the users, and they rarely get burnt. Like, even looking at pretty much everybody involved with FTX except for Sam Bankman-Fried, like they're doing fine they, they were scammers institutional scammers yet no no problem they just move on to the next one and it seems to be the culture in bitcoin uh is there's like a serial entrepreneurship vibe but it's like i'll just follow the vc culture throw whatever i can at the wall see what sticks if a bunch of people get hurt oh well i'll just move on to the next project and you know take whatever money i can left and go do that
1: yeah it's in the terms of service you are the leverage
0: no, I wish more Bitcoiners would wake up to the fact that these businesses, you know, both these shitty traditional finance shit shitcoining banks and actual Bitcoin businesses, you know, are are using them. Like these are the these are the middlemen that we we got into Bitcoin to get away from, and yet here we are embracing them at every turn.
1: Yeah, I'd like to argue that we are not embracing them, but there are sure. a bunch of greedy people who think they can double dip and they're going to try and they have been very su- successful let's be honest like a lot of them have been successful in making and generating billions of dollars off of these middlemen operations but you know like eventually these these uh, hens are com- coming home to roost right and <laughs> uh, and maybe that that's this cycle maybe it's next next cycle maybe maybe it's like maybe it never happens but like it's going to happen at different scales as we kind of go through these bear markets.
0: It's amazing how far some of these companies and even like governments can kick the can down the road of their bad decisions. You know, some of them can go on for a really long time as so long as users keep enabling them.
1: Yeah. I'm like not honestly, even, I'm not even sure if it's users. It's more like, um, dumb, big money. Cause like, when you get when you get to this scale you're actually dealing with like VC money right and it's it's like you're not really who cares about users it's about like okay this looks like a good good enough mousetrap. can I leverage this can I can I buy out the current shareholders and like repackage it to someone else like you know what I mean so like there, there's these bigger can I sell yeah. out yeah so like the VC game is like really Insidious and very, it's 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 like shitcoinery on steroids, and so it's it's uh it's not my cup of tea. Yeah, it's a good way to put
0: it. Uh, shitcoinery on steroids, because like all the things that you know you or I don't like about shitcoins, the the kind of false advertising, buzzword culture, the promising the sky and then in reality we're still living on the ground, just almost deception about it and in some of it's even a self-deception like the culture has you brainwashing yourself the number of these sociopathic sorry ceos (laughs) i've had conversations with and like they're drinking their own kool-aid they genuinely are they believe this shit that they're saying
1: absolutely they think that
0: they're gonna disrupt the world and change it (laughs) like somebody has to wake them up and even when they fail they're like oh on to the next
1: and even when even when like confronted with the opposing side and like I've directly told CEOs like this is a terrible idea. You're like you're a lone shark and you are going to be hurting people. And they're they kind of just pivot to it's it's very strange behavior. They pivot to something else. It is kind of soci- sociopathic and psychopathic in some cases.
0: The one justification I hear a lot when I'm discussing this with CEOs is like, well if I didn't do this someone else would.
1: Yes, oh it's oh I even use that excuse sometimes for my behavior but I see that it's it's very much like an abdication of responsibility um so it's it's a terrible justification for what people do uh QD
0: basically basically an argument holding yourself up to the lowest common denominator of human behavior yeah yes well let's talk a bit more about bitcoin stuff um you were there's still some lot-based drama going on, lock-on-time-based drama going on. Tell me oh, about this. Oh, you,
1: you would not believe how much of this is all correlated to the Ordinal stuff. Um, there's some very interesting... It's like a low-simmering Cold War, and it's mostly on Twitter that you see this. It's between Francis with Luke Jr., um, some others... And so there's different camps and they're they're kind of they're not warring, but they are making their positions very well known. So Francis is kind of maybe the most outspoken on this stuff. And he did a recent Twitter post and I guess I'll just read it. So he says, ask Bitcoin developers if they think Bitcoin is still an experiment. Ask them if it's still in beta. Many think of Bitcoin as a playground, testbed for their ideas. Lots of ego too, like in academia, um, where they outdo each other and leave their mark on Bitcoin. Do not trust them. So my response to this was, okay, um, what's a good question to also ask these developers to get a kind of a baseline where they're coming from? And my thing was like, okay, let's ask them Is lot true or false for you? Um, So yeah.
0: So I'm first of all, what's how do you feel about Francis's premise? Do you feel like Bitcoin is beta software? Do you feel this way about the devs?
1: I don't think it's beta. It's it's out of it's out of beta, especially when we switch to from zero dot 20 to 21.
0: You're saying sometime after two dozen uh, minor version changes like something's something's happened here?
1: We cannot treat this as beta software anymore. It is too valuable. Like literally too valuable. So There was a
0: point in time where Satoshi himself was like pumping a 1.0 release. Yeah. And that was, I mean, way back in the day. So I mean, if, if we were potentially ready to come out of beta then...
1: No, we, see why we we are out of beta. we are not we are not in beta. This is beyond beta. This is a live, re- real world, uh, ongoing thing, and it's not even an experiment anymore. It's live.
0: See, I I disagree. It is a great experiment. I don't think it's an experiment that can necessarily fail in a kind of traditional sense. But like, I don't know where this is going. I've got hypotheses about where it could go. But I don't, I don't know what's happening here. This is the big experiment, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, I just, I think it's underclassifying or underrating uh, the situation to call this an experiment. It is an experiment, but like, it's, it's big. It's like, uh, I don't know. So a like kind of global economic experiment like we've never seen
0: before. Yeah. So like in any way. Shape,
1: so maybe it is still. Um, you can use that language but is it beta no it's not alpha it's not beta it is live
0: considering the degree of diligence that bitcoin core as software gets it's hard for me to compare that to other forms of traditional software and say oh yeah bitcoin core isn't beta it's it a,
1: gets so much more review and diligence than anything it's a military operation <laughs> like, it's it's seriously that level of diligence. Uh, just the amount of verification these developers go through for a release is insane. I hope military projects have that level of diligence. I honestly don't know that they do. It's as far as I'm concerned.
0: <laughs> like when I was learning about, um, you know, the way that the core repository is structured and their testing and review process. Uh, over the years, watching this, I'm like, this is you know how the premier in- industrial standard for software should be in this world. Like if other organizations followed these kinds of diligent processes, we would have a lot less issues in corporate software development. So I think it's kind of almost like the standard setter for a lot of these things. Like, And I can't name another project of this size, like a trillion-dollar securing software project that goes through what Core does. And it's very frustrating for the devs. Like, they... You hear all the time all the dev burnout and how like they get nothing and go nowhere with their contribution and change and like that sucks. I'm sympathetic to you, like we all want to build things. But that level of diligence, I love that. I don't want that ever to change.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's a double edged sword. Um like we want developers in here helping to maintain things. But then they get kind of they they get over their skis a bit and they're like, Oh, maybe I can I can do more with this, and maybe people will like what I do. Uh, I f- I feel like that's a very naive approach, unfortunately. Like d- you don't know what you're dealing with here, and so I don't know. Get back in line, like there's there's I don't know. I feel bad. I mean, there is no line. You're a volunteer
0: developer. You work on you know whatever you want. It's just like you gotta go in not thinking that this is going to get merged or adopted for consensus change or anything. This is even going to end up as a numbered BIP. Like, you got to go in building because you either are passionate about Bitcoin or you want to learn or it's self-indulgent or, like, but do it for you. Because if you go in looking to build your ego up, that's not going to happen. If anything, is going to get tore down a bit because we are an adversarial system for good reason. And you got to have thick skin when you're pro- proposing changes. Like, shit's going to hit the fan. And I feel like, for example, Jeremy Rubin learned that the hard way.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's almost impossible, though, to work on something so diligently and build it, test it, and just do so much work on it and not have your ego attached. It's It's a very human thing so like I, I have sympathy uh, at the same time it's like yeah um, they, I don't know like there, there's there's some very green people to this to this ecosystem that don't, don't have the full historical context of how hard all this shit is uh, so it, it's kind of like they arrive and they're like oh maybe I can I can do some weird stuff um, and I don't know it's just and then it's
0: cries of ossification, ossification, yeah. we're ossifying.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that boogie man, again... discussed
0: you know, how that's a bit of a boogeyman. It's like they're, they're just trying to scare people to motivate them into making changes. But as we've discussed before, like, changes are going by rapidly compared to the stalling and roadblocking that was five years of Segwit. Like, I mean, we've had so many protocol changes in the last five years. Uh, We're doing speedy trials now, which vary against. Don't like the speedy trials. Um, I'd like to see that stuff, but I don't see any ossification.
1: It's a lie. Well, coming back to the lot equals true or false question, like that's trying to figure out where are these devs coming from and what is their frame of reference and what do they value as node runners? Because I'm sure all of them are node runners. Uh, But also how, how do they want this system to work? in terms of upgrades and like what what do they value in terms of consensus uh so like just the basic question of are you on the lot true page or lot false page i think that's a very interesting question to be asking these people
0: i'm definitely uh, personally on the lot true page i'm for flag days i'm for uasf so i'm never gonna minor activated soft fork again i don't believe in delegating my consensus to miners and i get why many devs feel like that's a terrible position they want miners to even just temporarily have your you know blessing to implement a consensus change because that way you assure chain state safety like you're not going to end up with a situation where 50 percent of the hash is on one chain and 50 percent on, on the other and you end up with all these terrible consequences and reorgs and all that stuff like and i and i get that that that's terrible but from my perspective it is more terrible to have miners roadblocking things and thinking they have a power that they don't and more importantly to as a node not be exerting my sovereignty myself. Uh, I view miners as kind of like paid security actors they're bouncers of the club and I own the club it's my club I'll pay them if they're doing their job uh, they don't get to decide how the clubs run they get to bounce people at the door and create economic cost for them, but that that's it. They don't get to decide anything except for themselves, just like I don't get to decide anything except for myself. And for myself, my node is not interested in sacrificing my immediate sovereignty for chain state safety concerns. I'd rather have the messy potential disaster zone, and I think that a disaster zone is unlikely, especially when... Nodes are putting this economic gun to miners' heads in, for instance, a flag day situation, a law true situation. If you're a miner and you, an unknown number of nodes, because you have no idea, you, you can't possibly know what nodes are planning a UASF and which aren't, much like miner signaling doesn't actually tell us what codes miners are running. But like it's very sibilable. You can't measure node support for a UASF. So there's this unknown potentially minority, potentially majority of nodes that are saying like you either are going to adopt this soft fork, hard fork, whatever or you're going to you're going to potentially be on the chain without us and we represent an unknown volume of economic activity, we, we represent an unknown volume of social activity and you are risking the golden glo- goose if you do that. So you you better get down. You better activate the soft fork. It, it's an intolerant minority kind of incentive. Um much as we saw play out in the block size wars and i think that it actually creates safety for the chain state because the incentives then align for miners not to fuck around unless they find out and if they got to find out again you know so be it we'll, we'll 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 uasf them that's what we do
1: yeah that's interesting angle um i think that miners there's a lot of oh man there's a lot to unpack there so miners i think they take their cues from what like the the incumbent developer community is kind of not dictating but recommending, because um, miners aren't really that intelligent <laughs> on, or they're aware. The most sophisticated on, network they, out They're kind of like, artists. yeah, like they're just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing this now, you know. Like, so they take their cues from what the developer community are recommending them to do. I I, I do believe that. Um, so that's one sure thing I agree. Really? really, I think
0: that they take their cues from immediate financial incentive, and like they're just, like I said, just paid security actors. And if they think that they can earn money someplace, they do that. That's basically my my entire interpretation of their thought and reasoning. Because otherwise, how did we end up in the block size wars in the first place? If they were taking cues from developers, developers were like, "Segwit, Segwit, Segwit. This is great. Fix transaction malleability. We're going to make Lightning Network easier to develop." Like. This is great. Let's do it. Well, why weren't they on board with that? And the answer is because they saw the opportunity to make money through ASIC Boost that was going to be invalidated by Segwit. And so they were against it.
1: I told you. They're for short
0: term yeah. games. I and to- I say short term games as well because if they were for long term games and like self preservation and thinking about what's best for them, they'd be for Stratum B2. But they aren't. So.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with all of that in terms of referencing the block size wars as. As support for that angle, I'm, I'm, I was more referring to the, uh, taproot upgrade example. Um, and, and, cause like that was more of a miners were kind of just like sitting, sitting around and like, oh, okay. Like they didn't really have a dog in that fight at all. Really? They yeah, just, I've been hear a lot from them. No, they're just like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. And, um, it, it, you know, we're at the top of the bull market maybe this will pump the price more if we do an upgrade or something like that that might be their framing uh so, so
0: looking back on the taproot upgrade now uh displaced from it from by a year or two uh how do you feel about it
1: not great <laughs> <laughs> uh, not great for a couple of reasons uh i guess this uh this four megabyte limit i thought there might be more restrictions in all that apparently not like they've lifted a lot so that there's a bit of a discount allowing for these ordinals to be bigger than say if they were using uh op returns um and cheaper so that that I remember reading about that and I'm thinking hey this looks like a like a bad idea and I, then I didn't think anything of it cuz I'm like ah maybe no one will take advantage of it and apparently they are <laughs> so so we we got the ordinal issue Coming into that, uh, so that that's one that's one kind of I would say negative outcome of Taproot, but um, there's also the, the consensus, uh, the upgrading angle, like the we had minor activated software again, speedy trial, um, and that that seemed forced through by the developer community. Uh, there, there there are uh, chat logs that. Kind of showed a pretty contentious meeting between Bitcoin core developers um, where there where you had Luke jr. in the chat being like we don't have consensus on this so that that's something I should probably review again because they um, it might be important going forward but these are just kind of like random thoughts in my head about the situation
0: sure um so you would like to see see the the ordinals thing it's you're kind of stuck with it if you want all if you want to be able to put arbitrary scripts in the witness and you know do that to your heart's content to make these complicated taproot kind of transactions for you know channel factories or what have you you're kind of stuck with the possibility that they misuse syntax to do things like arbitrary data storage it's kind of like you can't have your cake and eat it too. So, which would you prefer? Like yeah, not that's, having that's the a cake? good point.
1: Because like we can also prune the witness data.
0: Exactly, we can prune the witness data. So we don't necessarily need it.
1: So here's a question I have: like you can—is op returns also witness data that can be pruned?
0: Yeah, I don't think that you need to store op returns because they're unspendable, and so they're not in the UTXO set.
1: Okay, then we should be charging the same amount for rope returns and taproot stuff, maybe.
0: Yeah. See, that's my my only complaint is I don't really want to be discounting these datas that I disagree with in the witness script. But at the same time, I'm just I'm I'm aware that I don't get to decide what Bitcoin isn't isn't used for. If somebody wants to fill up blocks. 4 MB is a bit large I think but like here we are um, if you want to fill up blocks with ordinal scripts and just like arbitrary data that's expensive for them and they end up paying our security model as they go and that's that's how it works and hopefully from my perspective hopefully uh, it becomes so expensive that they go out of business much as we've seen with you know other shitcoins that have used our our blockchain for storing their proofs of states and whatnot so as they eventually fees reach a point where It's not affordable for them anymore and even at 10 sats a byte i mean they're looking at 0.1 bitcoin per block that they want to do here that's that's i'm not paying no 0.1 bitcoin for a jpeg my problem with ordinals is i see a lot of developers on the mailing list as well that are treating this like it's some kind of innovation I I saw somebody on the mailing list describe it as brilliant (laughs) and I don't even remember what their name was but to you whomever said it was brilliant fuck off just get the fuck out of here if false and then filling your conditional with bullshit that's not brilliant that's an abusive syntax don't be doing that that's I mean we're gonna (laughs) enable it because it's allowed at the current point and you know as I said, you don't get to decide what Bitcoin gets used for, but like pretending that this is a brilliant innovation. This is just somebody fucking around and hopefully they keep fucking around prices rise on transactions and they find out.
1: So I've heard that other uh, comment from someone else in our industry who I won't name here, but maybe I'll I'll let you know sometime in private who also had the same remarks like this is brilliance. This is Casey is a real hacker. And I'm like, no, this is like script kitty levels of bullshit, and it's really not that hard to do this. People knew how to do it way before with Oprah turns and were doing it. And like the only difference here is that there's an economic kind of market for these bullshit NFTs with the rise of shit coins. Like, this didn't really exist, it kind of existed last cycle with uh, Crypto Kitties, that was the beginning of it. Um, It moved into this cycle more strongly with, like, other shitcoin tokens that were doing the same NFT bullshit. And then this market, this dumbass NFT market based on lies and falsehoods and, uh, like, just watch trading, money laundering, and greater fool theory, it really, I don't know, it grew a lot. And now it's being ported over to our ecosystem. So that's, that's cool, I guess. Um, it does jumpstart the fee market a bit uh, in, in Bitcoin land. So we don't have to get all the FUD about, oh, we, do we need to increase the subsidy or something um, by, by Peter Todd. Like That kind of defeats his argument a bit, maybe. Um, yeah the
0: fee market is for sure showing up colors and it's nice because it's almost like it's a defensive feature uh kind of like when we were getting spam attacked by veer and co uh they wanted to make block size congestion a thing and they did to a degree and in doing so only proved how much it costs to spam the blockchain and how limiting it is it's like you can only do this for however long you've got money so and the great thing I don't know, is... I'm, I'm, I'm about
1: it yeah, like, cause like, jumpstarting the fee market also jumpstarts the Lightning uh, ecosystem as well. Like, it, it's like, oh, okay, fees are too high in uh, layer one. Layer two is just here sitting waiting for you, man. It's great and it's oh, it's it's beautiful to use at the moment. So it, it may just incentivize more development on uh, layer twos, which could be yeah, that's really how I good. Feel. yeah.
0: It aligns the incentives properly, but that doesn't mean like so. We're getting all these businesses now that want a piece of this shitcoin NFT pie. You know, whether it's on RSK or it's these ordinals or whatever. We got in the Bitcoin ecosystem people shitcoining, looking looking at you, coin kite <laughs> and <laughs> that's just not acceptable to me. I'll I'll pull my business from you, even if you're a Bitcoin-only company yep if if you're going to enable these scams, scams let me on me are still scams. let
1: me tell you something there they have lost money and business because of this i guarantee you that
0: well i mean they've lost mine and i've i've been guiding people to their products for a while now
1: yep same here uh qd is in the audience they had their hand up for a while do we want to let them up
0: yeah get them in here
1: cool I invited you to speak, Cutie. If you want to come up anytime, let us know. Otherwise, we'll keep going here. Yeah, that was a good rant.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm just, that's what I do. I rant. That's all I've got going for me. Um, Thankfully, Bitcoin's always got something to rant and rave about. It's such an interesting ecosystem. There's always, and as a node runner, you're left with so much interpret so many bits to be reading through to decide if you support or not to just keep up with bitcoin development and the devs and participants are so varied like we are a microcosm of the world we've got everything and everyone we've got every political ideation possible we've got everything so like there's always something for everyone to be mad about (laughs) there's always some drama somewhere uh there's always always something going on that's honestly why i like reading the mailing list is it always gives me something to think about and bitch about
1: yeah the mailing list is like more of a clown show than i thought it was (laughs) like there's so many jokers on there that think they're being serious when like they get zero replies because i think the general community is like this is this is retarded (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, there's, honestly, there's a lot of they're even getting engagement and replies. There's a lot of shit coining. And again, bringing it back to the ordinals discussion, there's a lot of uh, pro-ordinal support going on on the mailing list right now from folks like, I think, Alice XBT has talked about it. And, like, again, we're talking about a lot of devs that I think they see dollar signs in their eyes. And it's certainly not fucking Bitcoin signs. Let's be clear about that. They see dollar signs in their eyes. And they want to monetize this. And that kind of just runs against the ethos of Bitcoin to me. It's, why are you doing this? If you're engaging in volunteer developments so that you have a leg up in your your business life so you can exploit that resource, uh, I don't know. That doesn't sit well with me. I don't like that.
1: Okay, no. so let me ask you, does this go against Bitcoin philosophy?
0: I'm, I feel like Bitcoin philosophy is very individual. Bitcoin is all things to all people. But, um, really, against my philosophy, like if you're enabling scams, which paying thousands of dollars for a fucking JPEG under the idea that this JPEG is unique and uncopyable and non fungible is ridiculous, that's a scam. That's somebody scamming you, that's them selling you miracle tonic.
1: So, the reason um, I asked that question about philosophy is because that's one of the conditions in which you can reject a bit. If it goes against Bitcoin philosophy, the BIP can be rejected. And currently there is a BIP by the ordinal creator um, in the Bitcoin repository under review. So there are some knacks. Uh, there's actually a lot of knacks against it. Against it, There are some knacks saying it's against Bitcoin philosophy specifically. So it's like maybe... That's my philosophy. Yeah, well, maybe that should be uh like I, I am tempted half i am half tempted to comment about it being against bitcoin philosophy and maybe expanding on that or maybe just leaving it at that um yeah it's kind of interesting cuz like that is that is an interesting precondition to reject a bip because it's very individual and kind of like what are the preconditions for what is bitcoin philosophy <laughs> like it's it's very uh
0: It's a very broad, undefined
1: term. Open door, open door.
0: Because, yeah, I'm thinking about other bips that I would reject. There's a lot of, almost, I want to call them joke bips, but some of them aren't jokes. They're just horrible yet funny. Um, And the first that comes to mind is there's a a bip about changing proof of work entirely to be more energy-friendly and less consuming and I mean aside from I think this is hilarious because just the entire concept somewhat betrays that the authors don't understand that it's the energy cost and things that create security for Bitcoin and why we're doing so well and decentralized. But uh yeah, I, I would reject a BIP that reduced our energy consumption under the auspices of, you know, environmental friendliness and optimization. Uh, For being against Bitcoin's philosophy. I think it's BIP 52 that does this. It's ridiculous. It's a hilarious read if ever you got time and want to laugh.
1: Yeah, I've read that BIP. And it it also exemplifies why BIPs are not the be all end all. Like they're they're appeal to authority, um, vanity numbers. (laughs) So, like uh, the the Ordinals author can go around and be like, oh, I got a BIP number. And people will think, oh, that, that means like Bitcoin Core is on board. When really no it's like it's just yeah i don't know what it is it's not even a, rec- a recognition it's just like saying oh, okay this is something i guess
0: it's strictly an organizational tool like it it's like i had an idea it fit the format of the organization it is so duly filed in the organization it's really all the bit processes it's meta organizational tool and i know we were talking the other day you know would bitcoin have survived without the bit process and stuff and we were saying that yeah yeah it would have we were just organized in different ways we had upgrades before bips that were organized for example just under satoshi the bit process is it's a nice process i like it it's a good boss process you were saying we borrowed it from python i think originally
1: yeah Yeah, we ported it over from python i think they have pips over there (laughs) so python improvement proposals (laughs) so we just kind of borrowed great yeah and it's like a good regime it's it's not like a dictatorship or a benevolent dictatorship like with satoshi and you were talking about how like that was the original kind of governance framework everything went through satoshi and now we're kind of in a different framework where we have we have bips and there's a process and it's a very it's a heavy process like it's very well reviewed and you got everyone with eyes on it and you get a lot of feedback and input and you have to go back and forth and modify your BIP and do all kinds of things before it becomes like even official. And then it's like, okay, you have a BIP number. We're going to go back and forth on on the details of this before it's even implemented and it may never get implemented. So, But even then, like
0: if you wanted to, you could just ignore all of that. Just because there's the bit process, just because, you know, there's this wonderful review. If you just released a client or a patch for a client and people started running it, like consensus is code. Like this process exists for organizational purposes. But if people just start running different code, like that's Bitcoin, that's what they're doing. Then the bit process doesn't really matter. It's just this thing that we do arbitrarily to organize our thoughts and present them to the community.
1: Yep, and there's no bit for like the Lot True client that we were running during Taproot, right? So it's like Luke Jr just uh, put through together a client with Lot True and we released it into the world and anyone who wanted to could run that client. Yeah. I don't think Luke
0: put it together, someone else put it together, and there was a lot of demonization at the time actually. It's like, "Oh, I remember Greg Maxwell saying uh, you know, anybody who ran this Client would, was a fool, and it was going to fork, and they they were going to put themselves at risk the moment that the the block approached with the the mass And uh, that was for Segwit, where none of that ended up happening for anybody. Was that for Segwit or Taproot? Because like, that was for Taproot. Oh, really?
1: He said that too. Interesting. So he's being consistent. That's good. He's
0: very consistent. He's always been against UASFs, even when, uh, during the block size wars. Um, he's just he's he's about chain state safety.
1: Yeah, I get that angle. It's a very protective, paternal kind of idea. Um, it makes
0: sense from, you know, yeah. again, a software development standpoint. It just doesn't make sense from a, a network and sovereignty-based standpoint to me.
1: Yeah, these are like value judgments too. So it, it's very interesting what people are like like valuing in terms of ideals and philosophy around this stuff. I think it's
0: very dangerous to empower miners with even idea that they have some consensus voice beyond impacting themselves. I was talking like beyond to, that of every note.
1: I was talking to a Bitcoin miner the other day and um oh what did he have to say? He was kind of like his position was that Bitcoin miners were Bitcoin <laughs> and he was so yeah I had a lot to say about that. I'm like buddy you have no idea what you're talking about here That's kind of my point, is like,
0: due to a lot of this messaging and due in part to this upgrade process where we, for many years now, not forever, there was a long time where we just UASF'd a lot of upgrades, especially under Satoshi. We didn't have that term for it at the time, but there'd be like a client change and it's like, you gotta upgrade to the new client or your shit's not gonna run and yeah i don't it wasn't that big of a problem then then we got on the mass bandwagon and we've been doing that ever since but then we had the block size wars where mass was used to hold up things for years and we really saw the miners for their true colors and they've stuck around for the most part because the incentives have kept them sticking around but that hasn't turned them into good actors they're still just self-interested parties doing whatever they can with whatever leverage they're given. So I'm not interested in giving them any more leverage.
1: Yeah, I think the new debate is about the developer camp. Um, like, I see Francis Luke Jr. and and others, myself included, kind of being like, miners are not really our concern anymore. It's about these developers and their fancy ideas about soft forks and how to deploy them. And is it is the idea in the first place for the upgrade uh a malicious uh, like a malicious soft fork or something like that or or is it subversive to bitcoin in terms of the primary goal are we doing mission creep is it going to affect us negatively and in, in the long term uh these are the questions
0: is it up to you know devs internally and amongst themselves to even evaluate those things. I think it's up to devs to just work on what they're passionate about and present it to nodes to evaluate for those things. And when we're talking about things like core and devs not wanting to introduce lot through for example in core or any kind of configuration option for it because they're concerned that introducing configuration options, you know, increases the likelihood that the network will have a split or users will misconfigure and just generally users aren't very smart kind of thinking and that's true they're not but at the end of the day if we can't trust users that's the ball game users are bitcoin not miners nodes are bitcoin not miners and if we can't trust users then we got to train them we got to teach them to make educated decisions for themselves so that we we can trust them to do that and then we can give them all these configuration options that'll allow them to dictate their future for themselves we can't expect developers to babysit users and honestly that just doesn't work in bitcoin
1: yeah i agree with a lot of that um i would say that the miners are also bitcoin um but they don't. Think, they think they're more Bitcoin than they are. So that's that's a bit of an issue. Um, the users are definitely Bitcoin. Uh, the node runners are Bitcoin. The economic node runners are Bitcoin. Are custodial users Bitcoin?
0: Oh, good one. You see, I have a thing with this, and my my view, controversial, is that. If you are never interacting with Bitcoin keys, if you're never interacting with Bitcoin protocol in any way, shape, or form, if you're never signing anything, never doing anything, you're not using Bitcoin. Someone else is using Bitcoin and you're using them. Yeah, you have an IOU, you're not really using Bitcoin. So that's not Bitcoin. Exactly. That's fiat so like I, I maybe if you don't have your own node but you are using your own keys and you're still signing things from your you know light wallet then maybe you're still using bitcoin i can grant you that you're interacting with the protocol in some way shape or form if you're using the node you're definitely using bitcoin um but if if you're just you know using coinbase custodial wallet i don't think
1: you're using bitcoin you're using coinbase yeah you're using their database and you have an iou that's all you have you don't have bitcoin well they're
0: basically like a custodial bitcoin layer every one of these exchanges is to a degree a little custodial bitcoin
1: casino yeah so the bare minimum is like take possession of your keys and then you're actually using bitcoin um like that's your first step and if you're running a node with that then that's your second step and maybe if you're doing some other fancy stuff uh there's more you can do
0: what's what's the final step like designing your own scripts uh, compiling
1: core from
0: uh, source <laughs> you know honestly it's not that hard it's they've got good instructions if you've got any familiarity with compilation it should be a breeze yeah that's on my list of things to do <laughs> maybe we'll do it together and we'll do it in this chat
1: yeah that'd be sweet
0: <laughs> yeah it's genuinely not so bad it's a bigger pain in your ass checking the Key rings sometimes. So that's that's another question: Is would you, I'd rather compile from source than be checking the keyring? To be like, oh, is this what somebody? Is this the release that somebody said it was? Well, I'll just grab it from master.
1: So do you compile from source every time, or do you uh, do you just like, you know, check
0: the signature? It, it honestly very much depends. On what I'm doing Uh, so for my primary node uh, that is my trust gateway yeah I've done all the things from source Uh, for the things that I just kind of play around with like I've got a testnet node I've got uh, a public node sitting on an AWS instance that I just use for screwing around with lightning stuff and stuff no I didn't I didn't really do any diligence on those because they're hot wallets that I'm very comfortable if they get drained kind of thing
1: cool yeah it's about like how much you're dealing with here um
0: yeah different diligences for different contexts i think are appropriate and that's kind of why we've also got different wallets and different structures for different contexts um your risk avoidance and mitigation should be proportional to the risk that you're exposed to
1: yeah that makes sense um going back a step here i just had another idea like a step before compiling core could be uh, assuming valid, turning that off, and um, making sure that you're you're checking the entire chain state and validating all of that, because like the default is for assume valid to be on, and so you're kind of trusting the checkpoint that the developers are are putting there for you. Um,
0: and they like to be like, no, but it doesn't technically count as a checkpoint because it, it is. can be reorged to be on. And yeah, it is a checkpoint, and it shouldn't be the default in my opinion. I would love to see the default change.
1: I think that's, I think the reasoning behind that is like, oh, we want to make it easier for people to run nodes and, and get started instead of like waiting. Um, So I think that's like um, convenience over security choice uh, that's been done. And honestly, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been done because this is, this is the reference implementation people like
0: when it was done. it was done with the language describing it as temporary and since what? then it has become foundational and that's Serious? very frustrating for me. wow okay yeah.
1: that's a pull request <laughs> seriously temporary. the
0: language originally around it did not describe this as like something that we would be sticking with and that and now here we are building around them to try and optimize and i get i get what you're saying about we want to make it easier to run nodes i want to make it easier too. But we can cut a million corners. We can cut all the corners. And then suddenly it's like, are you even a sovereign node anymore? You're just running some umbral shit where they get to decide what software is on your computer?
1: Exactly. So this is a danger, too, because, like, uh, governments do this all the time with, like, oh, it's a temporary measure, right? So it's kind of of the same idea creeping into Bitcoin land. Um, And this is why... I like the idea of multiple Bitcoin implementations. Um, I know there's like some people out there that say it's a bad idea because of ne- network segmentation risk, and yeah, that is a risk. But I think we're gonna go that uh, that road long term because I just see I, I see this ecosystem becoming so big and there being so many different kind of political parties. Um, having different perspectives on these things, that it's going to be necessary to have different versions of Bitcoin Core that are going to make different kinds of specific choices like these uh, that will... Especially
0: when you can't configure Core very easily to do all manner of things. So
1: So like, there's going to be a camp representing the Francis perspective, there's going to be a camp representing the current perspective, that is the incumbent perspective. I see this as the real uh, coming um, fight, not fight. Maybe uh, drama <laughs> in the in like a couple years, decades. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen when we have enough developers on board with enough um, nuanced opinions and uh, about this stuff. Yeah.
0: See, I mean, it's already happening. I've, the same people who are all about you know there being one client and avoiding things like the btcd issue that recently happened because you know different client it couldn't handle a 998 out of 999 taproot spend or something and it you know it screwed over a bunch of lnd clients as well um but we got through that like that's that's as bad as it was that was one of the worser cases uh and it was it was more or less fine. I don't see the fearmongering of the state chainists, as I'm going to call them, playing out in such dramatic and terrible terms. Yes, they're right that these things can happen. Yes, they're right that people can lose money doing it. And yes, they're right that it requires even more user diligence and awareness. But so what? That's... <laughs> That's an inevitable way it is. They cannot stop people from making clients like we previously discussed. You know, several people ran UASF clients, Flag Day clients for the Taproot upgrade. They weren't sanctioned by Core. They were demonized by many developers. A lot of FUD around all of it. Uh, And it was just one guy that threw out the clients. But here we are, people ran them, and we live to tell the tale about it. So... I think that's going to keep happening. This this narrative of like we only want core and we only need core just it's not sustainable. And even the people that want that it's it's impossible because no one's ever going to all agree about that.
1: And like another positive thing about uh, these kind of negative outcomes, uh, like the L and D bug, like we find the bug and we patch it. Like that's and we're it's not being done by malicious actors that are setting up these other clients and causing these uh, these kind of conflicts in-, in It not, could be. Well, it could some, be- Some malicious I'm,
0: actor could have figured it out and, sure, like, but and I'm, like, oh, I can shut down L and D nodes by publishing this block.
1: Exactly, but yeah. it's not being, ideally it won't be done by malicious actors and we're gonna have uh, good actors uh, behind these clients maybe discovering bugs in um, a passive way, not a malicious way, which is the ideal. So, great.
0: I definitely prefer you know, discovering bugs organically than, than being abused, but I guess my point here is is that even if this was abused, which it may as well have been, we, we resulted in a really bad scenario. Lightning is one of those things that requires people being online and recording, reading the blockchain state to protect themselves, and people couldn't do that. They couldn't even restart their nodes. It was a big deal. Um, but it was fine. For everyone that was paying attention, had their ear to the ground, and that is what's necessary, again, as part of being a node runner and running these kind of hot wallets and things, you gotta be checking in on it. You gotta be keeping up with the ecosystem to a degree and everyone that did, absolutely fine. So if this is the worst case scenario of having alternative Bitcoin clients is them slipping out of consensus every once in a while and this kind of thing happening, I say, bring it on, that's fantastic. This ain't so bad.
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: And I feel very similarly about the same arguments regarding MASFs versus UASFs is you know, there's all this paranoia about chain state, but I honestly think that any forking or reorging or disagreement, people don't transact during upgrade periods anyways. Again, for very good reason, that amount of damage that you can do from this is is limited to a degree. And if ever shit did hit the fan, I think that it would resolve very, very quickly, one way or another, either. The UASF is going to find that it's a minority and didn't have any miners, and those people have an existential choice to make: do they want to return to where the miners are, or do they want to continue going it alone and actually, you know, kind of fork off and do things like replay protection and stuff like that? Or do the miners realize, you know, their economic golden goose just cut them off, and they need to go chase it down and quit being stubborn assholes? So no matter what, I see the incentives being of like: if this ever occurred to either get back together or solidify the split. And I don't think that that would be that bad. Sometimes it's good to split. When we got rid of the big blockers in the B cash fork, I honestly think it was one of the best things to happen to Bitcoin. It just like cleared up all this blockage of development capacity. It got rid of all of these voices that were drowning out the conversation. We couldn't even talk technology. It was just like constant misinformation and nonsense and pseudo technical understanding and honestly it was great that we got rid of him and we could see that situation happen again
1: yeah i agree with all that too and but there is the the other side of it where uh to an extent all of those actors were acting in good faith and were not malicious maybe the big okay maybe the big blockers could were but they could have been more malicious and and my thing is uh the the block size war is kind of a road map to uh, malicious actors to maybe come in and stir up shit beyond what is uh, in good faith. So you're, the, the scenario you outlined is probably the, the most likely, and it's the ideal, but I, I do see uh, a potential kind of edge case where You get a malicious actor with the intent to disrupt as much as possible for the sake of disruption, uh, supporting one side or the other or both to make it as contentious and prolonged as possible. So that is one concern I do have in the long term. Um, Isn't that something you've seen already play out? Like, I mean, mm, as far as the big are concerned, they're still at war. No, I think it can get way more creative and disruptive.
0: I don't know. Maybe I'm just not that creative a guy, but like it was <laughs> taking the form of you know fake news in the media. It was taking the form of uh, companies, like over eighty percent of companies in the space, getting together and signing documents, being like, "This is the way it is. This is what's going to happen." Um, it, and as terms of malice, I mean, they held up network upgrades and did so on the basis of misinformation and hidden incentive that they had that they were abusing. Uh, The maliciousness of the whole block size war is a big part of my reasoning for why I I don't want to empower miners with my consensus any longer.
1: Yeah, I think their maliciousness was at the competence level that they had, which was not much. My concern is that the competence level will increase uh, as we get more and more people involved in this situation. Uh, So you're going to have... the like more competent developers on one side and the other and it could become more uh combustible.
0: I don't know. Like they had Gavin, they had Garzac, um, they had a handful of developers. Yeah, they, they wouldn't pay them any money, the, which passes my understanding. Those were not
1: com- those were not competent developers. Like I um, had, had a lot of respect for
0: Gavin and <laughs> I still have a lot of respect for the contributions that he made in the space, it's just respect. Respect doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with you. Just because I respect your contributions doesn't mean that you're going to put some bullshit in my face and I'm going to say, "Mm, that's not bullshit.
1: Let me ask you a question. Um, Have you read uh, Provost's book uh, Bitcoin, a Work in Progress? No, I haven't. I'm pretty bad with the
0: Bitcoin literature.
1: You have to read that book because that is where I'm coming from to a degree. He kind of outlines a lot of the soft underbelly weak not weak points but like just the eh, this is an edge case this is an edge case this is an edge case uh so re- please go out and read that book i will pay you to read that book it's it's like <laughs> right, i'll read that yeah it's it's really good um let me know when you when you finish it because oh that is a, that is a discussion i may actually reread it uh, if you're gonna read it yeah, I'm definitely going to read it if we're going to talk about it. i do got know what I'm talking about, Donna.
0: <laughs> no, I have trouble with the Bitcoin books. Most of them were written after I got into Bitcoin. And most of them are targeting a demographic that I, I'm not.
1: This is your demographic.
0: Like, its yeah. is,
1: it it is talking our language, if not beyond it.
0: I'm very interested in that. Um...
1: There's another Bitcoin book.
0: Did you end up reading the Grokking Bitcoin? I know you were working on that at one point.
1: Yeah, I lost track of it. It's just, it's like, oh, I read this before in Mastering Bitcoin, and like, I get the nuance and the details. um, So I kind of just, I stopped Grokking. (laughs) Yeah, I was interested mostly because I
0: don't like recommending Mastering Bitcoin, just because I don't like putting dollars in Andreas's pocket. Um, and I'd like a nice alternative to that. I was wondering if rocking Bitcoin is maybe it. Yeah, right. it is. It, it definitely is. Just looking at the
1: index, it it, look, it covers everything. So you can recommend that as a replacement. Um, All right. You heard it here first.
0: Yeah. No more mastering Bitcoin, rocking Bitcoin. Check it out. And it's kind of
1: a shame that Rene Picard uh, did that mastering lightning book with you know, Andreas. Because like, now they're kind of joined at the hip. So... I really,
0: I don't mind when shitcoiners or even like Bitcoiners or people I disagree with. Like, it's a FOSS ecosystem. Come, bring your ideas, let's evaluate things on their merit and not things that people have said in the past or ideas or personalities that are unrelated to whatever they're proposing. And in that sense, great, that Andreas wants to participate in a lightning book but I don't see his participation as being necessary. And I view him I, being... I just see his name on the book. That, yeah, think... that's exactly it. He yeah. wants to elevate his name and his voice.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of... But I, I guess Rene could also be using his name as a marketing thing. So it's kind of like a um, mutually parasitic. <laughs> I guess, but until
0: until that book even came out, did anybody even know Renee's name other than developers in the community?
1: I did. Um, but maybe I maybe I only knew it because of that book. I don't know. Actually... See, I learned yeah.
0: his name because of his outspoken opinions about uh payment routes and modeling routes for uh success rates and resiliency as opposed to like fees and things. And I found those discussions very interesting. I actually haven't read the new lightning book
1: yeah it's really interesting he's a he's a cool character because he just he entered bitcoin recently so he's a newbie technically but he's like a mathematical wizard so it's it's amazing stats he's all about the stats yeah it's great i love that he that he's here yeah so maybe we
0: could get him in here at some point i'd I'd love to have a conversation with renee
1: yeah me too
0: a lot of people i'd like to have conversations with it'd be nice to use this as a platform to just have some some nice learning discussions where we can get educated about bips and we can educate the chat and group here about bips
1: yeah, get some you, bip authors do you think discord is the right place for that or like I, or I don't what know what is the right place? To... I have no idea I know a lot of people are on twitter spaces and stuff but I don't like it to be honest um, I'll use twitter yeah I know right so uh Yeah, there's no good platform for this kind of stuff, that's the problem.
0: Well, I don't know, I guess I view even conversations like we're having right now. I don't view it as for the audience as much as like, I'm here for me. Like, I'm I'm talking to you because I'm interested in your perspective. I'm talking to you because I want to learn about Bitcoin. I want to learn with my peers and we're doing it on this Discord because this is where a lot of us learn together. And that's to me what it's about. It's about learning together yeah totally so, if other people get value out of this, that's fantastic if it doesn't maybe get as much eyeballs as it otherwise would because we're not marketing ourselves
1: or we're not on the right platform or I mean, I don't really care about that, yeah, that's fair. And like I find there's more discovery and conversation like this, and that's the value. It's like we're we're kind of exploring the territory and Maybe all these thoughts are in our head, but like when you get it out in verbally with someone else, it's like, oh, uh, that's that was actually interesting. Uh, so it's helpful. Yeah,
0: I honestly don't know if we're saying anything interesting at all, but I know that <laughs> I, I, I so. enjoy it. I find it valuable, <laughs> and more importantly, I, I see all these podcasts and things going on in Twitter and YouTube, and they're all sponsored and they're all you know professionally done. I just want to hear Bitcoiners' voices. I'm I'm just a Bitcoiner. I'm just a random Bitcoiner. I don't have any influence. Oh fuck! I hope I don't have any influence. Um, I don't have a name. I just I'm a node runner, and I'm I've got an opinion, and I want I want to say it, and I hope that other people can use this platform for that. I would love to get more of the participants in the Discord and outer community, like bringing their questions, coming on and talking. Things like that. So if anybody has anything to say or comments on any of these topics, like I would love to hear from you. you. I'm interested in hearing from Bitcoiners. I'm done with these influencers. I want to hear what Bitcoiners think.
1: And we want to hear from you on your terms. So if you don't want to talk and and dox your voice, yeah, send us your questions or your comments by text. And like, hey, I will even be your voice for you. So you can like talk to me on my headphones, and I will just say whatever you're saying like we we can do some really creative stuff here to protect your identity or your voice, and just just know we'll be flexible for you. You don't have to do these traditional like podcasts reveal everything about your face, your your name, your voice. We can do some some fancy stuff
0: yeah i'm I'm not interested in who you are. I'm not interested in your name. I'm interested in what you think. Yes. And there's not enough of that going on in the Bitcoin space. We we get a lot of what corporations think. We get a lot of what businesses think. We get a lot of what they want us to think. But sharing our own opinions, it's it's harder on these social medias that elevate one opinion or have you following an influencer's opinion. Uh, you're kind of missing the bulk of the mass.
1: I want us to be like the antithesis to the influencer kind of crowd where... They're kinda of selling their face, their brand as a personal person. You know, like so it would be they're nice. Selling to... their audience. Yeah. They're selling out their audience is what they're doing. Yeah. So it it's kind of a I don't like that circuit. It's kind of like Brings like...
0: us to a really interesting point. The Bitcoin YouTube channel. I think it's brilliant, this kind of open source contribution system for people to, without sponsors, without anything, just kinda of like have a platform for their content. I think it's fantastic.
1: It's kind of a free platform. If anyone has a video uh, they want to put out about Bitcoin and there's no strings attached, it's it's just a, it's a free platform. It's like a megaphone for anyone to use the Bitcoin brand. Hopefully it gets some kind of good message out there.
0: I think not many people know about this yet or know that it's an option or more importantly, a lot of the people making content want to monetize it themselves, and thus don't want a megaphone. They want to make their own money. Yeah, that's um, exactly
1: it. This is actually more for uh, like regular folks who who maybe want to build an audience. Unfortunately, but like okay, you can do that with this channel if you want to. Um, but it's it's also for anyone who who just has a a message that's like very focused and and bitcoin related so
0: i think it's fantastic because like we need more just raw Bitcoiner voices people that don't have an agenda people who aren't doing it for pay like we just need more node runners speaking their voice
1: yeah so hopefully that works out long term um if anyone in the chat or anyone listening to this uh wants to participate just uh go to Link in the description will be down there. Link in the description. There will be something there where you can find more details.
0: I'm not much of a content creator myself. This is definitely the first time I've even done one of these kind of podcast deals. But I love the idea of anyone being able to speak on this highly visible channel and get their content there and not have to be cultivating influence or an audience to do it. Because... That's my biggest problem with the social space around Bitcoin right now. It's all about influencers and audiences and things like that. And this is a step in the other direction, the right direction. And yeah, I do think it's very ethical use of squatting on the
1: name. Also, there's uh, the Bitcoin Discord. Um, You can join it and it's like a free kind of tech support for bitcoin uh, and bitcoin only discussion and it's a great way to find uh, signal in the noise
0: oh yeah that's us, that's here Yes, we're doing it, (laughs) guys come join us, you can come and you can talk on the podcast, that way you don't have to make any content it's working for me it could work for you too well I think that that's a pretty natural place to end it been talking
1: for like i don't know an hour yeah that's a good rip uh so yeah i got anything else to say there
0: just that i really hope that we can get some more voices on here because that's to me what it's all about we need we need you to speak we need more active participation in bitcoin across the spectrum from like developers to node runners to miners even just social participation, the social participation in Bitcoin is very superficial, it's very price-oriented, it's very stupid. And we need you, we need you to up your game, we need you to, you know, have a voice, uh, learn with us. Come on here and like, you might be like, I don't know enough to have a voice, come learn with us. We'll go over bips, talk about what you don't know, we'll learn it together. That's, that's what excites me about this, and that's where I hope we go with this channel.
1: Yeah. Welcome to our town square. Hopefully you'll come join us. All right, thanks for joining us, everyone, and uh, cheers. Cheers. Mira told me that you gave up a job in finance so you could start a podcast. Yes, that is true. I know it sounds crazy. Oh, so you do know that that sounds crazy. Yes, yeah, I mean, I do, I mean, but you know, but she, you you know, know I do, I do, and she, you know, she, look, she's amazing, and she was like, life is short, and you got to follow your dream, you know? Well, how are you going to support my daughter by following a dream? Do you have, like, some dream Bitcoin?